Hello, and welcome to All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode 28, The Christmas Path, from 1998. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and technically, this is the first movie that Shia was ever in. It's not the last episode of this podcast, because we're doing Nausicaa, which we'll get into more on the next episode. But this is the first movie he's ever been in, so this is chronologically the earliest. Like Monkey Business... We could probably spend an hour and a half talking about this movie, but I don't want to. This yeah. movie is very heavy-handed. I guess the, the the positive, if you want to call it a positive, is that when I first looked at the DVD case and I messaged you, I was like, oh, it looks like it's a Jesus Christmas movie instead of a Santa Christmas <laughs> movie. When we started watching it, you find out that the guy who looks like Jesus is actually Balthazar, an angel, but he's like a Christmas <laughs> angel. Yeah. So it's it's not overtly a Christian movie. Like It's not like a Kirk Cameron movie, but it's as Christian as a Santa movie can be. Yeah, I almost feel like it doesn't want to be either a Santa movie or like a religious movie. It's just trying to be an unoffensive holiday movie, but just completely not succeeding at all. I mean, you know, you mentioned Monkey Business. If, if Monkey Business was best of the worst, this is worst of the worst. For a Christmas movie that's supposed to invoke happiness and cheer and, you know, the meaning of Christmas, like, this thing is dark, creepy, poorly lit, a surprise about, like, how bad it was, yeah. actually, you know? Like, there's just no fun here whatsoever. I was really surprised, and it's just a drag from beginning to end for me. It's... Okay, so... I think the big thing that we need to address, it's basically a, a, a story about how a single mother can't make it. Like, she is having trouble holding a job, she can't support her kids, we find out at the end of the movie that that her husband died trying to save people from a fiery car crash, so that's, you know, that was kind so- of... Yeah, that was a twist. Uh, so we, we just see her struggling through life in the Christmas season. It's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of like that song Christmas Shoes. You know the song Christmas Shoes? Uh, maybe. It's about how, like, this guy's online to buy shoes at the shoe store, I guess. And he sees this, like, little girl or little boy come up and want to buy shoes. And, like, he just dumps out, like, the, the money that he has for the shoes. Like, it's not nearly enough. And this guy, in his Christian heart, is just like, oh, I have to help this person. Hmm. Um, I have to help this child. And, like, it's a very sad, very sappy, remember the season. Like, it's not like, here comes Santa Claus. It's like, hey, remember, like, help other people in need. And this sort of feels like that, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, but it also feels like, in the third act sort of like a complete ripoff of Miracle on 34th Street because oh, the, yeah. the last half an hour, if not longer, is like a legal battle about whether or not this guy is actually a Christmas angel, which who cares? Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. Yeah, this movie's nuts. It's more of like a lifetime movie, like you said, about this single mother who, who can't afford or can't provide on her own and one's really angry because that would be Shia. He's like the super angry one because the the dad is out of the picture and then the daughter who is just trying to hold on to her last shred of childhood you know by herself and stuff but then all that Christmas stuff it almost feels like they made it into a Christmas movie after the fact they're like oh like we need to punch this up a bit like let's add this Christmas stuff like I almost feel like all the angel thing was just like this big brother movie that was happening and then they just transformed it into Christmas stuff it's just really strange because like I don't feel like they know what Christmas means or what Christmas is or anything. We go to the North Pole. Santa and Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus is like, what, like 50 years younger? I don't know, like depicted. Like, there's like no elves anywhere. And there's Christmas angels. There's one elf, I think. Isn't there like one elf? There's one elf, but they're not making toys or anything. (laughs) 
you know? No, it's, and just, it's just a girl with like with with pointed ears. I think it's the only way that you can like really tell that she's an elf. She's more of like a fairy, you know. Yeah. That's what I think they were even saying. Like she was a fairy, and and this Christmas angel, he's like Santa is like you know let's let the misfit angel Balthazar. First of all, I thought he Balthazar was a demon, not an angel. But I don't. I'm not a theologian. We we need John Brooks on this. It's just like the mythology of Santa is all screwed up here. It makes no sense. It just feels like they had no idea what they were working from. Well, what's also insane about this Santa is that he's basically portrayed like God. Yes. Yeah. He appears in the sky as a giant floating head. From we time cut to, time. to the cosmos, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna talk oh, to God. God, and like we see an old man that's in the traditional. Like, I guess at its very basic level, Santa and God are kind of depicted mm-hmm. in art and stuff in a similar way, you know, sort of like old men with white beards and stuff like that. Yeah. And we cut to him, and he's whatever, and then, like, Mrs. Claus shows up or whatever, and she just says, Santa. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah. what's going on? Like, this whole this whole exchange between the two of them is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah, and it took me by surprise, like hardly anything I'd seen before because we're setting up that this is just going to take place on Earth and there's nothing magical going on. It's about this mom who's trying to afford to buy a costume for her daughter so she could be in the pageant and then this angry kid that needs to be well-adjusted and he's acting out. And then when Shia goes out to vandalize the town Christmas tree, he apparently causes like a rift in the space-time continuum and opens a black hole in the galaxy into which Santa is like <sighs> revealed and he's like, we must fix the path now. The child has, like, destroyed the Christmas path. I'm losing it. Like, this is full-on monkey business territory, but it's not fun. You know, it's, like, more scary. This would scare a child. The whole movie is super, super creepy that this angel who kind of looks like Jesus... Balthazar shows kind up. Kind of looks like Jesus. I mean, he really looks like Jesus. It's just like, you know, if, if this Santa looks like God, then this guy looks exactly like Jesus. Yeah. He just shows up and knows everything about this family, isn't sharing it in a way that reassures them. He's sharing it in a way like, hey, I know what you did last summer. And it's like, wait, like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. And the first time, if, maybe not the first time, but one of the first times, it might be the first time, uh, he shows up is when he comes, like, sort of in what seems like their backyard, and he's just talking to the little sister. But before that, like, Santa oh. calls upon him, and he's in exile in a desert playing baseball by himself and, like, doing all the positions because he's super fast. So he was, like, pitching the ball to himself and then hitting it and then catching it. And then Santa's floating head shows up, and he's like, you're needed on Earth. And then that's when he appears, like, in the backyard. And the daughter's just like, hi there. And he's like, I'm a Christmas angel. She's like, yep. What's what's insane about that is that in the scene, Shia's made out to be the bad guy. That he's just like, hey, mm-hmm. don't talk to this guy. Like, But, like, we're supposed to believe that the angel's a good guy. But in this case, Shia's right. Like, hey, don't talk to strangers. We know what mom said about that. The angel's like, hey, like, I'm an angel. Like, let's calm down. Well, like, no, like, that's so creepy. Yeah, I know. That, that struck me as odd, too, is that I felt like this was a good message like don't talk to strangers and except they were going for the opposite it was more like you know this is a a stranger is a magical friend that can help you in need and it's like oh i don't know uh it's really strange oh man i don't want to go back for a second but if we can when she wrote that letter and threw it as if to like throw it in the breeze and it just falls down like two feet in front of her and she walks away and then like floats up on strings and then Balthazar like picks it up and looks at it. I was just like, oh my God, I was just losing it. It is, it's just, I don't know. uh, I think we've said this in a couple other podcasts, but I don't know who this is for. Mm -hmm. It's 
creepy for kids. It's not well made for parents to watch. I mean, I know that it's almost 20 years old, but like, I can't imagine this was good back then, even with relaxed viewing standards. Yeah, because this isn't a Disney movie. You know, this isn't a Lifetime movie. Like, this came out on, I think it was like Good Times Entertainment or something. So, like, this is a oh, yeah. super low-budget, independent... It feels kind of like a Hallmark Christmas movie, but, like, without any of the charm that associates... Like, those aren't great movies, but people who love those movies know they're not great movies. But there's something about them that's like, they have their charms, they sort of, like, they're the predictable formula, there's, like, the Christmas magic, there's all that kind of stuff that, like, you know what you're getting into when you watch those movies. Yeah. This feels like that without any of the charm. Let's just make one of those, but, like, not know how to make a movie. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they don't know how to make a movie, they don't know what Christmas is. I think you're so right, though. Like, I do feel now they wanted to go the Jesus Christmas route. But for whatever reason, I don't know, director, producer, backer, whoever was on board here was like, no, like, we don't want to turn off like a whole bunch of people or whatever. But I could totally have seen this going in that direction. I think it wanted to be that more and was sort of pressured into trying to be more commercial, quote unquote, Christmas. But like, no one's wearing Christmas hats. There's hardly any decorations up anywhere. I mean, we have mention of this Christmas play, like the pageant and everything like that. But I mean, we don't really dwell there at all until the very, very end. And it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie. No. It just feels like, yeah, like a morality tale of some kind. Like, or well, that's what it wants to do, but it doesn't know how to. Do we know what, like, where does this take place geographically? Um, it's Los Angeles, because at one time he, Shai is, like, on the bike at the end, and he goes in front of, like, a sign that says, like, okay. five miles to Hollywood or something. So I think the problem, or a problem, maybe not, it's not the problem for sure, but, like, a problem with it not feeling like Christmas is that there's no snow, there's no, mm-hmm. like, anything. And I know that part of it, at least at their house, is that they don't have money for decorations. Like, the little girl just wants a tree real bad, and the mom, like, pulls out something, like, tiny out of the bag. Like, I've already, like, I just I just finished watching this movie. I've already put it out of my brain. But, like, she pulls something, like, out of the bag. I don't remember if it's a tree or whatever, but they don't have money for decorations. So their house is clearly not decorated. But, like, it seems like there's nothing around. Like, it seems like nobody's celebrating Christmas. There's the play at school, but, like, nobody else has decorations mm-hmm. up. There's no snow on the ground, which makes sense because it's Los Angeles. But still, like... Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a Los Angeles Christmas movie. That has that feels like Christmas because there's like a Christmas party and there's like you know Christmas music. It's a regular movie that just includes Santa Claus. Like it, <laughs> it, it it's it's bizarre. Yeah, because it doesn't even have like the music. You just don't get the feeling like whatsoever. You know, like at least something in, in the Cage territory we had like Trapped in Paradise. You know, like at, th- at least that wasn't like a Christmas film, but it ended up having like that feeling yep. mm-hmm. of good times and things at the end that you would get from a holiday movie. I think it does take place at Christmas, but I mean it's that's besides the point. Whatever's going on here is just like falling completely flat. I mean it's a good point about being in Los Angeles and stuff and it wouldn't be snowing and everything, but there's no even like real mention of a lot of that stuff. Uh you know, you would at least think that there was like one throwaway line where it's like, "Oh gee, I wish it would we live somewhere it could snow and I could play in the snow." And then maybe even Balthazar would overhear that and like make it snow for a second or two or something but we do get that one reminder at one point when shire performs the breaking and entering and <laughs> i was thinking back to one step away in keanu club where he got like arrested for b and e's and everything yep. and uh they're kind of kindred spirits in that way but he goes into the house and picks up a couple presents and starts shaking them but even that didn't really register to me it's for some reason you know it didn't occur to me that like oh he wants christmas gifts or anything i was just like he's just being a bad kid and acting out and that was the point of the scene not that like he was looking for gifts 
to give to his sister or anything. What I love about that scene, I don't know if you noticed, but that's, I think, is that the only Christmas tree that we see in the movie? Yes. That and the one he destroys in the town square, but I'm... Oh, I well, that's a great be, scene. I wouldn't be surprised if they used, like, the same tree prop. Maybe. But what I loved about the B&E scene, I don't know if you noticed, they're in sort of what appears to kind of be like a family room or something, and there's like a sliding door to their left, and outside, right outside the window, there's a bird in a cage, Yes. and the bird is going nuts. In the, like, it has nothing to do with the scene. I don't know why it's in the shot, but like, it is flailing around in that cage, and <laughs> it's impossible to look at anything else. And it's just like, because Shy is just like creeping around, looking for, I guess, either presents to steal, or things to steal that he can sell to help his mom with like finances, because they're a month behind on the rent, but the bird is just freaking out in the background. And I was like, why did you not move this? These people just have so little concept of like what they're doing that they don't know to clear the the background of like not clutter but like legitimate distractions. Yeah, it's not charming in the way like in monkey business where you catch a gaff that oh maybe you see the boom mic or something. Like yeah, this feels like zero time, zero money, zero fucks really given. It's just like I agree. It's just they don't have the filmmaking capabilities to pull this off to pull really like anything competent off here I and mean, it's just all over the place well the director and the writer are one and the same it's this guy bernard salzman he's mostly a cinematographer i mean he's still working today hmm. you know between 99 and 2013 he only did two things but he's done five things in the last couple of years none of which i've heard of he's written three movies or three things including this He's directed eight things, including this. Nothing I've ever heard of. I mean, this movie didn't cost a lot of money to make. I just feel bad for Shia. Like, this is clearly like, <laughs> oh, you're going to get a starring role in a movie. And this probably got him noticed, because anybody who saw this movie, like, I mean, he's not he's not great in this movie, because there's nothing to do, but, like, he's kind of the best best of the worst in here, mm-hmm. sort of. I yeah. mean, he's really annoying, but, like, he delivers his lines with sincerity, and he has that one scene where he's crying about his dead yeah. dad. Mm-hmm. And for the mom, who's, like, super melodramatic, the little girl who's basically, you know, too young to really be noticeably good, and then Balthazar, who just super creepy like this, like he could be the best actor in the world and just like the part he has to play there's no way to get past that yeah. like what's what's left is Shia and so I don't know if this actually led to anything because there's no trivia on IMDB but like the best part of a bad movie it's probably exciting when he got it just a bummer man yeah it's interesting who else is in this because the guy playing Balthazar is a character actor I recognized I recently saw him in Last Days of Disco he plays like a club owner in that the mom is D. Wallace Stone who was the mom from E. T. and various other stuff during, you know, she's had a big career too. So, I mean, they're kind of slumming it here. It's weird. It's weird to see them take this material so seriously. That's how it feels almost like a soap opera. You know, whereas Shia, I mean, he's good and stuff, but he's young, you know? It's interesting. Like, he's intense. That's what I get from him. Like, when he's angry, he's super duper angry. He's also super sassy in this movie. Yeah, when he's sassy, he's really sassy. When he's sad, (laughs) he's, like, incredibly sad. You know, I just, when he's happy, he's really, really happy. Like, I just feel like he's dialed all the way up. I understand, you know, he's young and it's his first movie. But I feel like those are good instincts for him as an actor, as a young actor, is to be, like, go big, you know? Go really big and then just wait for them to ask you to 
pull it back and pull it back or something like that seems like a good way to go about this and yeah i feel like he kind of upstages everybody in a, in a in a weird way like maybe it's just because of every role in here is just poorly written and thankless but as the little kid i understand if this got him even stevens or if he was doing even stevens and you know they're like we need a kid who can carry an entire christmas movie i would understand him you know wanting to do this too because you're a little kid it's a christmas film you have no idea it's going to turn out like this because like what's weird like we talked about it a couple episodes ago but like there's a five-year gap between his movies that there's this monkey business in 98 and then i think the next movie he does is holes in 2003 so between now and then all he does is tv and so i don't know if this because this was let me actually look up i don't know if this is his first credit like first credit ever it's weird because he looks a little older than he does in monkey business so i mean you know sometimes things are filmed and released and out of sequence okay so he did before this movie this is all in 98 so we got to start in 98 uh, he was on one episode of Caroline in the City. And then the other thing that he did was this movie Breakfast with Einstein, which was his first movie. Oh, yeah. We which can't he find might have it. watched. We can't find it. Like, we can't find it legally or illegally. It's well, not. Yeah, there's a Region 2 copy on Amazon for like over $100. It's like, yeah, oh, man, we're not doing that. And like, it just doesn't exist. So we're, we're not going to do that. This was all in the same year. So, because I mean, this probably didn't take too long to shoot. But he still had he did a bunch of things in '98. I feel like he he does look a little bit older, I think, than the Monkey Business. He sounds more like himself. Not that he has a deeper voice really in this movie than the other movie, but he's more similar to like the kind of delivery. I think mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's like if that's really something we can notice. But I feel like this is more the Shia we're going to come to see than in Monkey Business. Monkey Business, he's just like, mm-hmm. kind of like a kid. Maybe just because there's he, there's more emotion. Here. Yeah, I feel like he's being directed here. You know, like that's how. He- he comes across like he's taking direction like he's a actor working it's a monkey business just almost felt like a just have fun in front of the camera it's a home movie almost or, you know we're just playing but this feels like a work movie kind of it's like everyone's taking this very seriously and trying to do their <laughs> absolute best and you know i feel like it's one of those affairs and he does well for that you know i feel like he takes direction well like when the scene calls for it he's conveying the proper emotions unlike you know some characters uh, <laughs> Balthazar I'm looking at you is just like the most unreadable guy I've seen in recent memory you know like I just can't peg him like is he good is he bad is he like secretly gonna be like a trickster or not like he is just so bland in the end and then yep. nothing I am just like double down disappointed by the end of this thing very fair to say I want to talk about the very beginning of the movie we get in quick succession introductions to each character and the little sister I think is the first one we see and there's just two boys that shoot her with like a little dart mm-hmm. gun and then they run away or she runs away and that's the whole thing I'm like oh I guess we're just not gonna find out what happens there <laughs> And then we cut to the mom, I think, second? Yes. And she's walking down the street, and we see the Salvation Army bell ringer, or whatever it's supposed to be in place of Salvation Army, and we see her reach into her purse, and she's got dollar bills in there, but she pulls out a quarter and puts the quarter in. And so my first impression is like, oh, she's like a miser. Like, she's stingy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> she's, got, she's got more money to give, but she's just giving a quarter, which I feel is like a weird first impression of her. It looks like she's being cheap, Whereas we know that that's actually, not that a quarter's going to do anything, but like kind of a generous notion on her behalf. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it comes before we it. know who she is. Yeah, it doesn't set her up so well. And then we see Shia and we find out he's really good at baseball. And he basically like hits what's the equivalent like a backyard <laughs> baseball inside the park home run. And then like as he's rounding third, he's just like, sorry guys, got to go home. And like basically <laughs> just keeps running and runs home. 
And we're like, oh, I wonder if that's going to come back later. And that's the only thing that really comes back later at all. Like, nothing that they set up is ever paid off, except Shia in his angsty, not even teenage youth, like 10, 11, 12 years old. They just go to, like, sort of the town square or whatever, and there's, like, this ornate Christmas tree, and they're just, like, bashing lots of Christmas ornaments, and, like, he's hitting them with a baseball bat, which is, like, incredibly dangerous, because those things are going <laughs> to shatter. It's it's a very strange opening, and then we find out that they're just broke, and then from there on, it's all just broke cliches. Like, when the landlord shows them, it's like, hey, you're behind on rent. Like, of course they are. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no universe universe where this movie exists and they're not behind on rent. <laughs> but I also love that they're going to be evicted for only being a month behind on rent, though. And, like, the landlord's like, where's your mom? And Shia's like, at work, you know? So it's not like they're not trying to pay the rent or anything. I also love how she got the job at the pound and then was fired the same yeah. day and then yeah. got a job at the post office the same day. Okay, hold on. <laughs> we we, we, we got to slow that down a little bit because she gets a job at the pound and then it seems like the next time she goes back to work, they're like, yeah, we don't have work for you. We got to let you go. And she's like, well, you just hired her. You literally just hired her because her whole plan was just like, we just, I just got a job. I'm going to wait a couple days. Then I'm going to ask for an advance. I'm going to buy you these angel wings you need for your costume. And then she goes back to work. They're like, yeah, sorry. Like, I guess like we screwed up. Like, we just don't need you, which is insane. Like, nobody would go through the process of hiring someone <laughs> to let them go the next day. Because it's not like she did anything wrong. There's just not work for her to do. It's yeah. like, how do you have work one day and then no work the yeah. next day? I don't know if she gets a job at the post office because she's introduced as this is our volunteer. And her no. job... Her quote-unquote job is just to answer letters to Santa Claus. Yeah, well, she goes to pawn that necklace, and then she goes and gets the job at the post office. Well, she runs out she, outside of the post office. She runs into Balthazar, and he's like, you know, I really think you should go into the post office. And she does and sees the wanted sign. <sighs> um, and then, no, she. the way I see it is she was hired like to get paid to answer letters to Santa. So, like, she would write back to little kids, like, I got your letter, I love you, da-da-da, love Santa. And then she's introduced to the lady who works there, but that lady was a volunteer. Oh. Like, that's what's... But it makes no sense. Like, but if they're hiring pay... volunteers, why are they paying people to Who do would ever pay anybody to answer letters to Santa? <laughs> It's not a viable business strategy. I have no idea. I didn't even know they did that at the post office. I thought those letters were just burned or, or something. I don't know. <laughs> you brought up another good point about Balthasar sort of like knowing the future, kind of like knowing, hey, you should go in there. Like he sort of knows everything about their present and their past. But he also has this one point like where he's talking to Shia because Balthasar gets arrested because Shia does the B&E where there's the house with the bird and then Balthasar shows up and then cops show up and there's four cops and they all enter the house guns drawn. I'm like, whoa, okay. A little bit, like, this is LAPD. Oh, that is, they do say LAPD, so you're right. Los Angeles. You know, this is a couple years after Rodney King. Like, maybe this is like a, like a, a biting commentary of, like, mm. Los Angeles police. I don't know. Yeah, they did not care that Balthazar was a white dude whatsoever. I mean, he gives, like, the worst defense. He's like, hey, I'm an angel. Like, I don't drive. I don't need a driver's <laughs> license. Like, I'm an angel. They find that bag of magic dust in his pocket. Oh, God, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and they're like, what's this? And he's like, angel dust. Du no, he just says, he says dust. Okay, and so they say, dust, angel yeah. dust? He's like, yeah, how'd you know? And I was like, no one watching this movie is going to know what angel dust is. Because kids are not going to know what angel dust is. Death drug. Yeah, exactly. Kids aren't going to know it. Adults who are watching this movie probably don't know what Angel Dust is. I wrote down in my notes, the only person who knows is going to be Philip Michael Thomas, who <laughs> 14 years earlier made Death Drug, which is his ode to, you know, how PCP Angel Dust kills, which is all just a movie framed around a music video that he wanted to make, which is amazing. <laughs> that's, insane. I mean, that's... 
fellow Caves Club Podcast Network host Christian Larson, one of his favorite movies. So I know all about Death Drug. That's the like he, he goes to prison for that. Uh, so then Shia visits him in prison. I'm not. I don't oh. remember why. It doesn't oh. matter. Just real quick though, because when they go to visit him in prison, they don't go to like the visitors' room. They bring the kids and the mom to, to the cell. His cell. To his cell, like Oz mm-hmm. style. Like, let's just bring him right. Unbelievable. And then Shia visits him alone, yeah. and he has this vision where the where oh, Balthazar the sees best. the sister getting hit and uh, presumably killed by like a pickup truck. But before that, like Shia goes to see Balthazar because he has a vision. He has like that crazy dream of fire and like oh, Balthazar's yeah. floating head, like screaming at him. That was. crazy. That was LSD trip right there. So that was like Shia remembering, I guess, or hearing about his dad getting killed, saving people from the car crash. It's terrifying in the middle of this movie. And then he goes to prison and Balthazar sees the girl getting hit by a car. And he's like, you got to go get to her before she crosses the street. And so it becomes this like chase sequence where he's pedaling his bicycle so fast to rescue his sister. He has the best line to Shia too. Shia's like, how do I know you're telling the truth? And Balthazar's like well, you're going to find out or not? You know, he's basically <laughs> like, well, what are you going to do? Like, I told you your sister's going to die. What are you going to do? Just let her die? If someone t- like, you better go and find out if I'm lying, kid. It's like, what? Well, because also up to this point, like, Balthazar said a lot of things that Shia knows is true, but he keeps coming up with excuses as to why Balthazar knows it or, like, how he knows. He's like, oh, you saw my mom with the letter. Or you blah, 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 blah. You, like, looked in her purse or whatever he's saying. At this point, like, he also knows somewhere in his head that, like, everything this guy has said has been true. So when this guy says, you might want to go, like, save your sister's life, go do it, dude. Like, even if he's not telling the truth, like, then you know for sure that he's, like, full of shit or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. listen to him this one time, and then Shia barely gets there in time and, like, for some reason, like, throws his bike into the road and it gets run (laughs) over. Like, it doesn't seem like he needs to do that. Uh, But he does save his sister's life, so thank you, Balthazar. I I thought for sure he was going to get hit instead of the the girl. But, yeah, he just, like, throws his bike in front of the car so the car rides over that and like veers out of the way it's very strange like the way it's directed like there's like all these weird quick cuts i'm like why is it so more complex than it needs to be why couldn't he just get there before she stepped into the road oh boy oh boy i want to know why his mom their mom has a complete ballerina outfit but doesn't have money to buy their daughter wings oh yeah i think that her backstory was she wanted to be a ballerina but then she ended up having kids and had to take care of them instead and so she didn't get to make it as a ballerina. (laughs) I guess. So there's two things I want to say. The first thing is the first time we see Balthazar, he's playing baseball in the desert by himself. He's every position. So he's a pitcher. He's a catcher. He's the batter. He is the outfielder. He's like, I'm out of there. Like he just... And I th- at first I thought there was two angels, and then I realized, oh, it's just all the same. Yeah, I thought they were all just having, like, a game of angel baseball, you know, like werewolf, like vampire baseball in Twilight. It was just angel baseball, and, like, everyone could move fast and stuff. And yeah, he's <laughs> he's in exile. Like, he's been exiled. He is referred to as the worst of the worst, yep. you know? Like, he screwed up so many times that his last chance, and this seems like a really important thing to entrust to a guy like Balthazar. Like, you'd think this is something Santa needs to show up for in person. Like, like Shia has literally ripped a hole in reality that is destroying Christmas forever. And they send this scofflaw of an angel down to deal with it. It's so bizarre. Okay, so that's what I wanted to talk about. It's the, the, the why this movie is called The Christmas Path. That apparently, Shia's lack of faith in Christmas, not in Jesus, not in God, but in Christmas, the Christmas spirit, Santa, all of that, 
the fact that he is realistic, I would say. They're a broke-ass family. His da- his sister is just like, oh, like, Santa's gonna save the day, and he's just like, yeah, right. But, like, <laughs> that is apparently so damaging to the universe that his faith has created a large gap in what's known as the Christmas path. He's ruining this moment for all, like, non-believers, and he's just basically, like, the worst of the worst, and because he is the way he is, I guess it could, like, damage the space-time continuum? I have no idea, but, like, he is the biggest problem, apparently, in the universe. Yeah, yeah. This little kid is single-handedly gonna destroy everything, reality, all of reality, the multiverse, as it ex- as we know it to exist. Like, everything is gonna be wiped out, never-ending story style by the nothingness. Like, that is insane. Like, it's so crazy. Like, the stakes are impossibly high right there. Like, I feel like there's worse people in the world that hate Christmas more than this little kid. Like, like granted, he yells at his sister, there is no Santa Claus, and, like, yeah, he smashes a tree and stuff, but, like, there's people out there on Christmas, you know, committing murders and things. Like, aren't they're they doing more damage to the fabric of reality than Little Shia, but apparently not. I just couldn't believe like how cosmic it got. It, it went to like Thor levels of absurdity, <laughs> you know? Like, why did it need to go there? Why was why was Santa like in Asgard instead of the North Pole? I don't know. I don't know. But Santa does say to Balthazar, "The joy and hope for all Christmas is in your hands, Balthazar." So, like, yeah, there's there's high stakes here. Maybe because putting them on, like in front of a green screen. Just having the background is like cheaper than like trying to throw together a half-assed North Pole set. I don't know because they, they clearly didn't have a budget. They didn't have a budget for snow. Yeah, and I mean, if you're gonna stand in front of a green screen anyway, you could just put in like a snowfield instead of a star field. <laughs> just you know, choices in this movie. What were they? None, really. Did you notice that her mom at the pound looked like a low-rent Louis C.K.? Oh, no, I didn't catch that. Sorry. He's like a skinny guy with sort of like bald Oh, yes, hair, like Louis. no, I did catch that. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, the redhead guy, yeah. Yep. The guy, yeah I was boss. just like, oh, hey, look, it's skinny Louis C.K. Uh, there's the creepy babysitter, the old Asian man who wants to make candy with her. Oh, yeah, that gave... Okay, so like he ends up... Mr. Lee ends up giving the little girl like um, some kind of strange lollipop thing or something like that and then she just hands it to Balthazar in prison like yep you know didn't have to go through security wasn't taken <laughs> away like clearly could be used as a shank if necessary that was strange like I'm just gonna drop you off at Mr. Lee's house he's gonna watch you that is crazy and then the only other thing, thing I want to say is that like the last 30 minutes or 45 minutes of this movie is just like a pretty much a straightforward legal drama <laughs> where uh, he's just guilty of being an angel basically that he's being charged with breaking and entering and then we find out at the very very end that even if he was convicted as guilty his punishment was going to be 30 days community service because the judge was like it wouldn't look good on me like if I was like you know employee of Santa sentenced to prison time for Christmas spirit or whatever he says and the guy's like hey thanks man and happy birthday and the judge is like wait a minute I didn't tell you it was my birthday and it's like oh Balthazar and then I feel like it should end on a freeze frame there just like him being like <laughs> eh? Like that court scene I felt it felt like most of the movie but it also feels like they play it super straight like this isn't like my cousin Vinny or anything this is like Miracle on 34th Street like they want you to like get into like a legal you know thriller now yep. it mm-hmm. is so strange how like cause he's like nope I will defend my innocence until you believe me and he's like no but you don't understand you sound crazy <laughs> they'll lock you up in a nut house and he's like you don't understand I am an angel I'm like I can't <sighs> believe what I'm watching but, but thankfully we actually 
do get an even more insane ending with the the final <laughs> the final few shots of this where they're at the pageant and Balthazar is playing Santa Claus and yep. he makes his glorious exit by revealing his magic to everyone and literally like stealing Santa's thunder and flying flying through a portal in the sky flies through a portal in the sky back to Asgard and yeah. like the last shot of the movie is this really strange matte painting of Bal- of like a tiny Balthazar flying up into a giant head of Santa Claus in the clouds. That was scary. It cut uh, so quick from that. You could tell they were just like, whoa, we could just get off this. <laughs> just end this. End this. Oh, God. That's it. I'm done with this. Yeah. We should have ended on monkey business. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that. Like, I feel like monkey business, let's, like, consider that the true end. And then this is sort of, like, how you get with, like, The Office or Black Mirror. Like, this is our Christmas special. You okay. Know, like, All right. You consider this, like, our extra Christmas special. And then just so we don't end on such a bad note, like, let's go out on a high and actually, you know, we'll do Nausicaa last. And that'll just be sort of, like, a special edition episode or something. Yeah, so the next episode, the last episode of all his movies until Man Down comes out, which I guess will be our true final episode of this, because I don't think we're going to do like American Honey for this. I mean, I, I, I love mm-hmm. American Honey. I want to talk about it forever, but he didn't watch it for this marathon. I really kind of want to contain this to things that he either watched or we thought he watched during his marathon. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but the last movie, the next episode, the last movie we're doing is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which came out in 1984, which is why we're doing it last. But there was an American version with American voice actors in 2005. So 2005 is somewhere after Holes, after the Even Stevens movie. I think that's probably around the time of, like, Mm iRobot-ish. So -hmm. we have that era Shia playing a voice in this movie. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be another short episode because I don't know. I mean, it's not a role that was written for him. He just voiced... He's just dubbing, basically. But it will be a better movie to end on than this. So stay tuned for that one. Yeah, I've seen it once and I loved it, but I've never heard the American... Dub, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. And I know Shy is a good voice actor because of Surf's Up, so yep. hopefully he'll he'll bring something more to the role. That'd be cool. Very much so. So for all things, all his movies, we're we're almost at the end. So you can find everything that we've done up to this point at CageClub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can find all the other podcasts on the network, all sorts of news and posts and pictures and other things from all the podcasts on our Facebook page. All sorts of fun, free stuff at those two places. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I've got an Ill-